When we read stories or hear about events, we hear them from the perspective of the person speaking or from the author. Yet, most of the time, there's more than one narrative. There's more than one perspective, and sometimes there's even more than one truth. Details are often left out, including reactions, emotions, and concerns. This morning, I want to explore one section of Torah from this week's Parsha that really lifts up this idea. And it's the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, which we read about twice during the year, both this morning and on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. To be completely transparent, I always struggle when reading this section because it's really, really challenging. Even last night at Shabbos dinner, when we were talking about the Parsha, my daughter said to me, but why would God do that? To which I looked at her and I said, yep, that's the question. So let's review. Sometime after, God put Avraham to the test, saying to him, Avraham. Avraham answered, he nay me, here I am. God said, Take your son, your favored one, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the heights that I will point out to you. So early next morning, Avraham saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering and he set out for the place which God had told him. We only read about Avraham's obedience. He just does it. Abraham does what God asks him to do. We don't know what his initial reaction was. We don't know if he looked up to the clouds and said, what? Or if he looked up and he said, why? The text continues. On the third day, Avraham looked up and he saw the place from afar. Then Avraham said to his servants, you stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go ahead. We will worship and we will return to you. Avraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He put it on his son Isaac and he himself, he took the firestone and the knife and the two walked off together. Where is Isaac's head in all of this? What's he thinking? Did he walk with purpose? Was he on board with this master plan? Finally, seven verses in, Isaac is offered a speaking role. Isaac calls out to his father, Father! And Avram answers, Yes, my son? And then Isaac says, Abba, here's the firestone and the wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? And Avram said, God will see to the sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Maybe Avraham had emunah, had faith that it couldn't happen, that he wouldn't need to engage in human sacrifice in child sacrifice, 
and sacrificing his own son. And then we read, and the two of them walked off together, and they arrived at the place which God had told him. Abraham built an altar there, he laid out the wood, he bound his son Isaac, he laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood. No response by Isaac is written in the text at this moment. And Abraham picked up the knife to slay his son. And then a messenger of God called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham answered, He may me, here I am. And the messenger said, Do not raise your hand against the boy. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your favored one, from me. Now, the next time we hear from Isaac is when he meets his superwoman of a wife for the first time, four chapters later. And there we read, Isaac then brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he took Rebekah as his wife. Isaac loved her and thus found comfort after his mother's death. But here, right now, during the story of the Akedah, during this narrative, during this perspective, there is no written mention of his reaction or of his trauma to his own near-death experience. I said it once, I'll say it again. The Akedah, this is so challenging. How could the same God who promised Abraham an eternal covenant of land and progeny through Isaac be the same God that would demand Isaac's death. To me, this is such a powerful impediment to the belief in a loving and powerful God. With every fiber of my being, I want to believe in a God as a loving grandparent in the sky who simply counts and loves her children like pieces of precious jewelry. But I can't do that. When I read the story of the Akedah and what almost happened to Isaac, and when I lead a community where wonderful people die too young, and when too many people have cancer, and when the flu and respiratory infections are on the rise, and when anti-Semitism is too prevalent, and when I hear about Bruegis with family members that just cannot be overcome, God says to Abraham, here is a test for you. Take your son, your only son, your beloved son. Go offer him as a sacrifice. We don't do things like that. I think, I believe, in my opinion, that's what we do with Torah, this divine ask must have been painful for Abraham. It must have been painful for Isaac must have been painful for Sarah. They all suffered. As my teacher, Rabbi Artson, writes, evil exists in the world, and it exists in abundance. And I would like to add that because there is evil in the world, people suffer. The Akedah, which was introduced as a text, as a test, it led to tremendous suffering. And so an eternal question is, what can 
a response be to the suffering that we see or that we feel? Listen carefully. I'm not saying what should our response be, but this morning I'm going to humbly offer one approach, which is an approach that was outlined by my own rabbi, Rabbi Bradley Shavit Artson. He says that first it's really helpful to remember that the evil that leads to suffering can be divided into two categories. And the first is the category of social evil. It doesn't pose such a severe challenge to faith because God gave us autonomy. Yeah. So when we encounter sexism, racism, anti-Semitism, pick your ism, we need to remember that this can be attributed to the essential nature of human freedom and free will. Would you rather be a robot clone or have free will? Or to use Rabbi Artson's concise language, social evil is the price we pay for autonomy. Suffering due to social evil is because people have choices. And someone's choice today may have lasting repercussions from door to door, from generation to generation. The other kind of evil that leads to suffering is what Rabbi Artson describes as natural evil. That's the yelling to the sky, it's not fair kind of evil. That, you know, more than 6.6 .6 million people have died on this planet from COVID. It's a huge number. Sudden infant death syndrome. Watching the pain of a loved one die. Or the lack of dignity that so often comes with end of life. All of that is undeserved. How do we approach that kind of suffering? The natural kind of evil that just leads to suffering. The kind of suffering that doesn't begin at the hand of humanity. Rabbi Artson outlines one approach that has three components to it. Aleph, we have to acknowledge that evil and suffering exists. And as much as my daughter's bedroom will offer a very different message, the world is not actually full of unicorns and rainbows. Bad things happen. Bad things happen to really good people. And bad things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to a lot of people, and as a result, we suffer. He goes on with Bet, the second point. However we respond to suffering, it must bring comfort when comfort is needed and when pain is felt. What works for me in my experience and all of my baggage might not be the same for you or anyone else in this room or watching. There are countless answers as to why bad things happen. Hopefully one 
eventually will provide comfort for you. And then Gimel, he says that how we approach suffering must be grounded in Jewish tradition. I incorporate this third piece daily. When people come to my office who are suffering or dealing with tragedy, I can share many texts with them depending on who they are and what they need to hear and the circumstance. Maybe they need to hear this verse from Isaiah, Yotzer or God creates light and darkness, and God creates peace and evil. Or maybe they need to hear this from the Talmud in Brachot. When the Holy Blessed One remembers their children who are suffering among the nations of the world, God sheds two tears into the great sea, and that sound is heard from one end of the earth to the other. And that is what an earthquake is. God suffers with us. Perhaps that provides comfort. Or maybe this will provide comfort for someone. The psalmist wrote, Yancha Adonai B'yom Tzara. May God answer you in your time of trouble. Sometimes receiving a bracha is enough for someone who suffers. Suffering is not new for humanity. The bracha is not new. And for some, it really helps. There are a million reasons why the Akedah is challenging to me. Here's just two. Yes, God asked Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice. That's, you know, the big one. What, what, why, what, what, what's God doing? But the other part that I have trouble with is that Abraham did it. No questions asked. No bargaining in the Parsha where he bargains later on for people he doesn't even know. So a Jewish text that offers me comfort. Notice that I'm incorporating Rabbi Artson's second and third point. Comes from Breshit Rabbah from the Midrash. And there we read that when Abraham stretched forth his hand to take that knife to slay his son, the Midrash continues, the angels wept. When we suffer, God and all of God's accompanying angels, I truly believe that they cry with us. God suffers when we do, and God hears our cries. Avraham didn't turn back to God when he was asked to do the unfathomable because he had faith and hope and hope. He was explicitly told that he would receive land and progeny in the breach. Maybe he kept that at the forefront. And perhaps, just perhaps, I don't know, the narrative highlights Abraham's obedience to God as opposed to everyone's verbal or emotional reactions for just one reason. And that reason was to show Abraham's commitment to the Brits. Maybe that's the whole message. And maybe the message is even when the future looks bleak and there is pain and there is evil and there is suffering, keep your belief in God.
So that's where I am with the Akedah this year. From all the experiences I have had in my life until this week, we shall see how I understand it next time that I open up chapter 22. Shabbat Shalom.